Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back and we're going right to the phones because joining us from Pueblo Reservoir, I believe, where he's got his Bass Insanity going on. Is it Bass Insanity? Mr. Na- Mr. Bass, bass Obsession. You're bass good, Obsession. You're very, you got Insanity, Obsession, and you use normal names, will you? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You do reflect what happens with people. Like, I think it was, it's a Walleye Insanity, is that right? Walleye Insanity. And your ice fishing is? Ice Addiction. Ice Addiction. And you know, and- people do get addicted, and they are. And then the obsession with bass fishing, if, you know, people grow up and they see the tournaments on, on TV and stuff, and that's probably one of the first obsessions the young guys get, that they want to be a professional bass fisherman. But there's no bass in Colorado, so why are you having a tournament? <laughs> I'll tell you, Terry, it is, uh, it's a neat time to be bass fishing here at, uh, at Pueblo Reservoir. It's, it's kind of perfect timing. We're running you know, just a hair slower on water temperature from where we normally would be this first week of May. Our water temperatures are varied between about 54 degrees and 57 degrees. Um, normally, we're going to see the smallmouth just starting to really be on beds right now, and they're most part. So we're in a heavy pre-spawn bite for smallmouth, and then just the beginning stages for the largemouth and spot. So there's a lot of fish that are very actively feeding. So we thought we might have a, a major smallmouth turn around our hands with everybody focusing on those smallies on the bed. But since that's not the case, we're seeing largemouth, we're seeing smallmouth, we're seeing spots. Uh, so we're seeing a wide variety of fish here at Pueblo. So it's pretty exciting. And I'll tell you, when that water hits that 55, 56 degrees here at Pueblo, it is game on for pretty much all species. The wiper are coming out of that deeper water and kind of setting up for their summer patterns. The bass are obviously very active, and the walleye is uh, is turning into one of those extremely high-number days uh, that we're kind of used to in fishing Colorado here in the summer. Um, so, yeah, if you're, if you're looking for a good day of fishing of, of any species, uh, right here at Pueblo, it's happening. We've been catching crappie and trout on top of all this other stuff. So uh, a lot of stuff happened down here at Pueblo. Well, I'll tell you a couple of quick things. Uh, on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, I uh, I reposted an article I wrote on Pueblo last year that I wrote for the Denver Post talking about all the species, the ones you named, plus catfish and, and all, all the other species that are there. It is just one of the premier fisheries. And uh, we went through that on the Facebook page, so you may want to scroll down. And on my YouTube channel, Tom Bruno, we just Karen just put up a show where Tom Bruno and I are out crappie fishing on Pueblos from many years ago, but it it'll still yeah. all holds true. But what a fishery, oh, Nate. And and it's the only, you know, having a bass tournament there, it highlights the fact that I think it's the only lake in the state that has three species of bass. Yeah, I agree 100%, Terry, at least that, to my knowledge and to most people's knowledge. You know, except there's that. Uh, Maybe there's an accidental fish here or there, but for the most part, that spotted bass that's here in Pueblo really makes us a very unique fishery. Uh, so it's neat. And again, all the fish are going and, you know, throwing those spots in there, it's kind of crazy. They feed very well in the colder temps. Um, so it's a really neat tournament. So this is the, the new format, just like we do for carp and walleye. It's video entry. So for the past several years, we've had a very traditional team tournament. So everybody's listening kind of knows our traditional team tournament, you know, five fish limit, everything that you would normally see. Um, but now that we changed it up, we're doing digital entry and it's the longest fish. So it's the single longest fish. So we have a lot of the, uh, the elite bass anglers of the state fishing this event today. Um, you know, people 
come on the show. You have people like Sam Heckman. So we got some great anglers here, and it was really neat this morning to walk through the parking lot and hear the total change of game plans than people are used to fishing. Uh, you know, I'm talking to anglers that their normal go-to, they fish tournaments last weekend, they're fishing tournaments this coming weekend, and in the five-fish limit, those spotted bass feed heavier in the colder water, so the spotted bass that are in pre-spawn, so they're full of spawn material and a full belly, they weigh good. So a spotted bass would weigh more than a largemouth or a smallmouth right now. So in a normal tournament, everybody's focusing on those spots just for that heavier weight. But now we're doing the longest fish. So all of a sudden, you can find those those smallmouth that are just coming off their wintering deep water section that are still skinny, but it helps them add that length. Same as some smallmouth really through a, a bigger contingency that might not weigh as much as a spotted bass but they're a little longer. So now that we change the plans for that, um, it's really neat to see these anglers changing their, their game plans to try to find the longest fish versus the, the heaviest or the fattest fish. Uh, and, you know, representing kind of all angler styles today, we have a bunch of people on kayaks. We've got a bunch of anglers on boats. We've got a bunch of anglers on shore. And so far, all are catching fish. So it's really neat to see, you know, the, the competitiveness of the kayaks versus the shore versus the boat and who's going to take the win here at Pueblo. Uh, again, we've got a lot of nice fish, and right now it's really neck and neck. Most of the fish are, are all within about an inch of each other so far. Uh, there's a long day still ahead, but right now it's pretty much neck and neck. So we're getting excited to see how, uh, how the day unfolds as we approach that 3 o'clock hour. Uh, and as the anglers are down here, beating uh, out and grinding out on Pueblo. I can tell you in years past, um, when I used to go down, I used to have to travel the state for other things, and I didn't always have a boat, but I always had fishing rods with me. And I caught, I have caught some huge largemouth offshore at Pueblo, and you're in the perfect time of the year because they're probably, like you said, pre-spawn, but as some of those bays warm and you get some food moving in, they're going to move in and they're actually going to feed heavier than if they're on the bed. They're probably on main lake points right now, but just getting ready, and if you could set up on a flat just off a of main lake point, you might have as good a chance as anybody in a boat or a kayak. Absolutely. That's the thing. It's nice because everybody's in those same waters. These fish are the same. And, you know, the, the other kind of crazy thing that's throwing, not when they throwing a rinse on things, the water is extremely clear. So these anglers are dealing with about a 12-foot visibility um, in this water. So you have a few spookier fish. And I know a couple of the kayak guys were really excited to come in with this stealth approach of a smaller vessel to not make that big shadow on top of the fact that they're extremely quiet coming in instead of running an electric motor. Uh, so like you said, it's, it's anybody's game and there's a lot of fish to and, you know, whether you're bass fishing or, or just recreational looking for a good time, uh, between the walleye and the bass, again, the, the, the bite is incredible. We're walleye fishing while we're sitting here on the radio, uh, the team is, and we're, we're throwing little paddle tail jigs, live bait rigs. Um, all of your traditional structure-type baits um, are just, just doing fish. I'm sitting right here. Devin Menino's next to me. He's got four and four casts. Um, the, the, the bites happen here at Pueblo. Well, I would think, I want to talk to you a little bit more about that, and then I want to get a little bit of an update on some of the other places you guide. But right now, I would think, you know, Pueblo, the big fish are going to get more scarce as we get into this. But as we go from now right through into the middle of June or even longer, you're going to start getting those 20, 30, 40, 50, fish days or more if you're really adept and now's the time when you can if you just want to go catch fish and you can fish them almost any way you want but uh jerk baits and crank baits will catch them but i love what you're doing throwing little jigs throwing little uh, bait rigs it's so incredible when you catch those walleyes bang 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 like that 
Absolutely, yeah. We're 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 definitely on the fifty to sixty fish days right now, and it's only getting better. And it's only early May, so yeah. I mean, these anglers are going to be looking at a solid, you know, four to to six, seven weeks of these super high number days here at Pueblo. Uh, and again, yeah, it's you know Pueblo generally runs just a little ahead of schedule, um, and the bite's hot. But you know, talking about changing it up. Cherry Creek is is warming up just a hair faster than Chatfield, and we saw those fish move up on the structure. Um, so jigs, live bait rigs are really starting to produce a lot of walleye at Cherry Creek. And then Chatfield, just it's just barely starting as those fish start stacking up on structure. So we're definitely coming out of that post-spawn state and moving into the, the very traditional summer patterns on almost all the fisheries coming across the front range. Uh, you know, and especially, you know, it's hard to say what the weather's going to do this week, but these couple nicer days really accelerate uh, the fish moving into those those warmer water patterns as we, as we move forward. Now, if you were going to go fishing up and down the front range from some of the waters you guys have been on in the next couple days, we've got some cool weather coming in the middle of the week, which could change things, but let's say tomorrow and Monday, it's supposed to be pretty nice. It's, we've got stable weather. It's warming water. I don't care what species. Somebody's looking for a place to fish right now up and down the front range. Give me a couple of the go-to spots and how you'd approach them. You know, we've been talking about walleye. Obviously, that's one of the major things I'd say I'd really put a focus on, like swinging down here to Pueblo. It's awesome. But one of the other bites that, you know, is fairly fresh in the, the news right now is Spinning Mountain Reservoir opened up. Uh, Antero's open, but spinning right now. It's at that point where a good portion of our fish are post-spawn. Some of the fish are still in spawn mode, but right now those fish are active, uh, and you're getting a lot of those very big fish. We're hardly seeing any of those younger year classes right now at Spinney. So if you have a, a great day, you know, you're getting very high number counts of fish, 30 to 50 fish days at Spinney if you're really on top of your game. And with that many fish, majority of these fish are like 20 to 24 inches. Uh, I know Will the other day had a, had a monumental day. He had a 52-fish day, and he only had one fish under 20 inches, um, which is just incredible. They're spring fish. They're, they're very, very healthy. Um, and I'll tell you what, you want to talk about a fish that's almost hard to land because of their fight is those big rainbows that spin you right now. The water's in that low 40s, 42 to 45 degrees, depending on daytime temperatures. Um, and that cold water with those big four- to five-pound fish, it is flat out of battle. Um, so I would say spinny right now, why the fish are all very gathered uh, as far as they're in the same water column water level uh they're very stacked up in that those situations are easy to find and you can really put a hurting on a lot of very big fish that's spinning right now so that would probably be one of my go-to destinations especially in the next two days while that weather's nice what about the pike there as far as pike we are I'd say i'd say we're uh you know maybe 15 to 20 percent post spawn and the most of the fish are just now coming out of spawn so i'd say we're very heavy spawn mode and just coming out of spawn so uh we've seen that we saw some fish in the 42 inch range a lot of mid to upper 30 inch fish so far this year but i really would say this coming week is when things are really going to cut loose there at spinny uh so i'd say by the end of the week that water's going to approach that 46 and we're going to see a lot of those big pikes so again give them another couple days to come out of that spawn um, and you're going to think, see things very much heating up there. And those fish, when they come out of spawn, are going to pretty much go to an immediate perch feed. So you're looking for those fish in, you know, semi-deeper water, 14 to 18 feet. Uh, and you can literally find the perch schools on your graph. Uh, and just find the perch schools, and you'll find the pike right on top of those perch. All right, we got to go. But if people want to book a trip or want results from your tournament, tightlineoutdoors.com. Uh, tightlineoutdoors.com for the website. And, then, yeah, you can follow us on Facebook, Tightline Outdoors. And that's where most of our results and all that will be posted from today's tournament.
All right, my friend, we will talk to you again next week. Talk to you soon. All right, Nate Zielinski. We're going to take a time out, and we come back, an old friend is going to join us, somebody who's uh, been a contributor to this show for a long, long time, and we're going to be glad to talk to him today, and that's Troy Coburn right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And by the way, every Saturday through the summer, starting today from 12 to 2, free food, usually barbecue. Today are tacos for Cinco de Mayo. There's a taco bar. Let's go right to the phones. Joining us, he's been a contributor for many, many years. He become a little spotty lately, but we're going to get him back on more often. <laughs> you know, Mr. Colburn, I understand that somebody... Gave you the wrong time to call in. I will be talking to the staff about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, somebody told me to call, told me to call in at ten fifteen, but that's all right. It was obviously no a producer's mistake. I'll see that again. Ooh, if you could see the look I'm getting from the control room right now. Oh, I don't want to see the look you're getting. <laughs> now, I want to talk to you about a, a few different aspects of fishing, and we're going to get to that. One of them is going to be the rivers, and the other I want to—I saw some pictures on Facebook that you went back to your roots a little bit this morning. We'll talk about I that, did. too. But before we do that, we've been covering a lot on ticks, and I want to take just a couple minutes because you have a personal story about tick-borne disease, don't you? I do. Um, it was about 26, 27 years ago. Um, my wife contracted Lyme's disease. We were on a, a trip back to Missouri visiting family and doing some fishing. And um, she came back into Colorado and had a tick on her back. And it was along her belt line, so she didn't even realize it was there for, for a, a day or so. And um, about, oh, I guess it was a few days later, maybe a week later, uh, I noticed the, the typical uh, bullseye-style rash that she had developed around the bite. Uh, went to the doctor. He gave her some antibiotics. Um, it seemed to go away um, about a year later, she started having a bunch of problems. She started having um, numbness, joint pain, headaches, and things like that. And we went through months of testing at the doctor, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. I brought up to the doctor, what about Lyme's disease? Because I remembered that tick. And he goes, no, I'm not here in Colorado. And I explained to him that we were back in Missouri, and she had an infection from a tick bite. And so he he figured he'd get her blood tested, and sure enough, it came back positive. And the doctor at that time told us that my wife was the first diagnosed person in Colorado with Lyme's disease. Um, that's what the doctor told me. And, in fact, the blood test that they did, uh, they had to send to St. Louis to get it tested because at that time, 27 years ago, there was nobody in Colorado that can, that can do the uh, type of testing that needed to be done. So, and she ended and, up and with long-term problems because of the delay in does. diagnosis. She she does, and she still suffers from it to this day. You know, I called you a couple of weeks ago and told you how happy I was to hear that you were talking about this on the radio. Because if it if it makes people more aware, and if they can avoid what my family has gone through, um, it, it's it's so worth it. Um, because it, it's been. It's been pure hell. This this disease is absolutely devastating. Um, and the 
the thing is, they're still learning so much about the disease that they cannot pin down my wife's current uh, problems to Lyme's disease necessarily, but they absolutely think that it was a catalyst for what she suffers from long term. Now we're gonna we're gonna move on because I want to talk some fishing, but folks, right we want you to get outdoors. We don't want you to be afraid and stay in, but be aware. There's several posts on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. I think there's three if you go back within the next six, uh, last six eight weeks on these this. Uh, these topics. Please go read those. Follow that information. Let's all have a safe summer. All right, Mr. Mr. I'm a dyed in the wool trout fisherman who never fished for trout because he because he only the only he's the only fish he knew was something spelled B-A-S-S. And and uh, but you were out this morning chasing those green trout again. Yeah, I was smashing some big old buckets this morning. So it was a good morning. I caught uh I caught a fish this morning before the sun even rose. I, I know you're shocked, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> and uh, that fish probably made my top five uh, biggest biggest bass I've ever caught in Colorado. So, uh, yeah, it was a productive morning. Now, you're fishing. Are you fishing? Now, I know you fish Quincy and you fish Aurora and you fish other ponds and stuff. In general, what are you seeing happening on those bodies of water? Oh, the fish are definitely in a transition. Chad was dead on right earlier uh, when he said the fish, there's, they're everywhere. They're, they're uh, main lake, they're main lake points, secondary points. They're on the edges of the deep channels, and there's some fish that are in two feet of water. So um, it's definitely a transition period. Uh, Got to cover a lot of water to find the fish, uh, and there's multiple patterns working at this time. If you were going to go fishing next two days, not today necessarily, but it would count, we've got two more days of stable weather. I would think Monday before that front comes in may be the best day, but what would you? where would oh, you go yeah. and, what, and what, what technique would you start with? Uh, well, uh, if you want to know where I would go as far as a location, definitely, definitely Quincy. Um, of course, that's like five minutes from my house, so that's an easy decision for me. But um, if, if I was going to focus on water, especially after today, uh, we're going to have a really warm day today. Those fish are going to be either in the shallow, uh, the shallow areas, um, soaking up that, that infrared radiation, or they're going to be directly adjacent to it at the first drop-off. Uh, I think a day like today is going to pull probably 75 80% of, of those fish out of the deep water. They're going to be in the shallow water, or they're going to be relating to the shallow water. And what types of presentation? Do you want to cover water? You're going to go with you're going to power fish, or are you going to slow down and be more subtle, or both? Well, it's... it's um, if, if I'm going to locate fish, I'm definitely going to move along with a spinner bait or a, a, a lipless crankbait or a square bill crankbait, especially early in the morning. Um, and then once I start locating fish, then I will slow down a little bit, probably throw a jig and a pig or a tube or a Senko, something like that. All right. Well, there's right now, and I think you and I both agree that if you're a shore angler, especially, this is the time to be out chasing those bass, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. They're definitely accessible from shore. There's going to be very, very few fish left in deep water that's inaccessible unless you have a boat uh, as far as bass are concerned. And uh, actually, there's a lot of places where shore anglers can have will have a bit of an advantage because they can get to some of those real shallow water areas 
and be a lot more stealthy than the guys in boats can. Now, I want to take a couple minutes. We burnt up quite a bit of time, but you've become, and I, I tease you about it, but you really have embraced fly fishing. In fact, you tie your own brand of nymphs, and you've just been incredibly successful. Tell me, where I haven't seen the runoff on most of the rivers yet. Now, I'm hearing the Colorado, and maybe you can reinforce that, but I look at the Poudre yeah. and the Big T and the St. Varane as I drive by them, and I'm not seeing the water come down yet. What's the state of the rivers, and what's going to change here in the next couple of weeks, and how would you approach it? Okay, well, uh, on the western slope, everything's blown up pretty good over there. Um, there's quite a bit of dirty water and high water uh, in the Colorado. Um, the, once you get below Glenwood Springs, it's it's probably almost tripled in size in the last two weeks. So it was running around that 14, 15, 1600 CFS about three weeks ago. Now it's now it's over 4,000. So uh, it's that that water particularly is very very dirty and probably a little more dirty than i i like to see but i do want to make a point terry my first 30 inch uh brown came out of dirty water i grew up in missouri where we had to fish dirty water or you just didn't go fishing if you didn't want to fish dirty water and don't be afraid of the dark water um um, there's a difference between dirty water and muddy water. And right now the Colorado is probably pretty muddy. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't waste my time with that. But a lot of these other rivers are at the dirty point right now, like the upper Colorado's got some color to it. And, you know, there's just some approaches you can take to uh, better your chance at catching fish in that dirty water. Um, you want to focus on the size of your bait. Um, typically in dirty water, you want to go with something a little bit larger. Uh, you want to focus on the color of your bait. Um, three colors that work really, really well in dirty water are bright colors like chartreuse, uh, an all around color like white and black is probably my favorite dirty water color. Amen. Mine really, too. Really silhouettes against that, that, that dirt in that water. And then um, you want to use something that's going to push a lot of water. So you're going to want something that's a little more bulky. It's going to send out a little more vibration or something that has a little sound built into it that will help those fish key in on it. But one of the beautiful things about dirty water that really fishermen really underestimate is, number one, it hides your presence, okay? Number two, it positions the fish. Fish are not going to be out in the middle of open water and dirty water. They're going to want to relate to something. Just imagine yourself in a dark room. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to feel for the wall or you're going to feel for a table so that you can relate to something so that you can kind of get an idea of what your surroundings are. Fish are the same. So they're going to relate to a rock in the river or they're going to relate to the shoreline or they're going to, or they're going to relate to a shelf or something like that. So they become very, very predictable. Um, dirty water tends to position fish and all you have to do is know how to read water, and you can find those fish very, very easily. Now, I wanted to talk river safety, but I'll cover that at the end of the hour. The last thing I want to talk about, you talked about uh, flies and lures that push water. And, you know, there's the typical, yeah. the clouser minnows, uh, woolly buggers. You also tie a number of, tell us about the ones you tie and where they're available really quickly. Uh, well, they're hard to come by this time of year because I'm fishing and not tying. <laughs> but um, you can <laughs> you can you can look it up on Facebook. It, it's uh, my page is Colorado Jig Mafia, 
And uh, I don't tie little stuff. I tie big stuff. I'm 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 a recovering bass fisherman, so I apply <laughs> I apply my bass fishing theology to my trout fishing, and I and I do really really well with it. They're they're big. Um, most of the stuff I tie is big, heavy, gnarly looking streamer style baits. Most of them are tied on jig style presentations because I am a jig fisherman. That's how I like to fish. We have to run. We are way over time, Troy, but uh, give them your website again. Uh, It's on Facebook and it is Colorado Jig Mafia. All right, my friend, we'll get you on again soon and get into depth because I think it's going to get more and more necessary in the next few weeks to throw those big flies. Oh, heck yeah, absolutely. Thank you, my friend. You betcha. Talk to you later. Troy Coburn, always a great asset to the show. Now, we're running behind, but we're going to give our next guest plenty of time. We're going to talk about well-armed women after we get back from this time out on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We are going to go right to the phones because I want to give this topic plenty of time because we're going to talk about women and firearms and joining us from colorado clays is amy Propernick. good morning amy good morning well thank you for being patient we had we ended up covering uh, tick-borne disease a lot today and it kind of threw off our clock but just think it's a really important topic but so is this one um let's first of all let's start uh, you at uh, colorado clays you do a lot of the instructions what are some of the courses you instruct Yeah, I instruct anything from basic handgun all the way up to concealed carry or defensive pistol. Um, And uh, we can do some shotgun instruction and rifle instruction there as well. But we focus on the handgun, or I focus on the handgun anyway. Well, you know, and I think that's so important. I was talking earlier in the show how my wife and I both have handguns and permits, and it's it's an incredible responsibility. And even before you decide you want to get— a handgun or get a concealed carry permit, you really should go through these classes, or even if you're against it, go through these classes and understand the laws and the responsibility. Don't you think that's crucial? Yeah, absolutely, because there's a a lot to it, and, you know, ignorance is not an excuse. You're absolutely right. If you're a gun owner, you need to know the laws. And if you're thinking about being a gun owner, or if you're uh, just an anti-gun owner, and you want to know what the laws are, and you want to get familiar, because you could find yourself in a situation where there is a handgun somewhere, you want to know how to properly handle it. Right. I mean, if everybody had the knowledge of just being able to unload a firearm and make it safe... I mean, numerous accidents could be avoided. And and that's the truth. You know, and I'm not one who's a big believer in unintentional discharge. I think it's negligent discharge in almost every case. If you're, you're going to take on the extreme responsibility of owning a firearm, it's your responsibility to know how to handle it safely, to know what the rules of shooting are. You know, I started, I, I always tell people, I can't remember how old I was when I started fishing. I was too young, and I can barely remember when I started shooting because it was so important with my my relatives, my grandparents, my uncles, my parents, and that we would go out on my uncle's farm or my grandfather's farm and shoot 22s, but first and foremost was always safe handling. Where's the muzzle pointed? How do you take care of the gun? How do you, you know, unload it? How do you make sure? All those things were ingrained in me. And because of that, you know, thank, thankfully, I've never ha- even come close to having a, a firearm accident. Correct. Yeah. That knowledge is absolute key. Um, by far, ignorance is one of the, the leading 
causes of accidents. So ignorance and carelessness. So education is by far the, the best thing you can do as a gun owner. Now, you teach men and women in your classes, but I'm seeing more and more women at least looking at the shooting sports. As I said, my wife Karen is an ex is an excellent shot, better than me with a handgun, which bothers the heck out of me. But I can't. Uh, <laughs> um, but um, uh, but I think that knowing that women instructors are available, I think men. They, I think they'll take lessons from anywhere, but they don't learn well from anybody because they're too, their ego gets in the way. But women a lot of times are more comfortable with a woman instructor, aren't they? Yeah, and I'm seeing more and more in our basic class that it, it truly turns into just a gals with guns class instead of just a, a co-ed uh, basic handgun class. Um, they are very eager to learn everything there is to know about a handgun uh, before even purchasing one. Well, and that's a great—that's great. a great point. You need to go out. You, no one should purchase a handgun without taking a class and shooting first, should they? Right, right. There's a lot that you can learn before making that purchase. You know, find out which type of handgun is is right for you, uh, which type of action you prefer. Uh, talk about the different frame sizes. Make sure it fits your hand correctly. Talk about caliber sizes. So you can do all that in a basic class. Try a bunch of guns beforehand, uh, and then go out and handle some at the gun stores and make your purchase. And also now, in addition, along these same lines, you also are part of, or you, you. I don't know if you're a part of it or you're a member or you lead it, but there's a group called Well-Armed Women. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. So all of the above. Um, I am the chapter leader in the Brighton um, uh, organization there. So the Well-Armed Women Shooting Chapters is a nonprofit organization. Uh, It is a club that meets monthly for women to get together and to learn and practice and grow as shooters. And we have a, we split it up into two parts. There's an hour of classroom activities, so an educational piece to it. And then there's an hour of live range shooting. Uh, we happen to have, I think the last time I checked, we had 12 chapters in Colorado throughout uh, the metro area and as far east as Sterling. Um, and it's open to shooters of all ages, 18 and over, uh, all experience levels. You don't have to have ever shot before and all the way up to competitive shooters. And most importantly, though, it is just a fun activity to really get those ladies out and socialize and uh, keep up that practice. It's a, it's a perishable skill, so we want them to, to actively keep practicing on a monthly basis. When you said perishable skill, the audience cringed because I say that like twice a week, <laughs> and they get so tired. But it's so true. It really it is. is. If you're gonna, whether you're hunting competing, target shooting, or heaven forbid, in a self-defense situation, if you have to think about your, your grip and your trigger control and your sight pattern, you're liable to make a mistake or do something wrong. And if those things, if you practice, you can really concentrate on what's going on in the moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the more you practice, the easier it is. It becomes that second nature. Um, but if you take some time off, you're going to need to blow the dust off. So, yeah, now, definitely get to the range. Colorado Clays has really been amiable to helping this group, haven't they? They, they are a wonderful host range. We, we love it to death. Um, they provide us with the classroom facility after hours. We have the whole place to ourselves, free of charge. They give the ladies discounted shooting uh, prices. 
Uh, they're advertising for us. They give us free targets and all the support we need. So we really appreciate their support. Well, I, I don't think there could be a more supportive, fan, family-friendly group than the folks at Colorado Clays. And, of course, you can do anything there. You've got skeet. You've got trap. You've got sporting clays, wobble trap, beginner's skeet. You've got the rifle and the pistol range. Um, we're running out of time, but tell people if they're interested in the well-armed women or in Colorado Clays, where can they find information? Yeah, so Colorado Clays, just visit our website, coloradoclays.com. The well-armed woman would be under twawshootingchapters.org. Uh, and that'll give you all the information you need to learn about either of those organizations. Well, and as bubbly and as upbeat as you are, I can I can only imagine that a lot of women are going, boy, I'd like to attend one of her classes. And it, they'd, it, they'd, I guarantee you will have fun. Come on out, ladies. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that's Amy from Colorado Clays. What a great place. They're so family-friendly, and there's they've got just activities for everybody, even a playground for the kids, and it's a safe environment to learn about handguns. We're going to take a quick time out, and we'll wrap things up talking about a few different subjects on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. So finally, an Eagles song, when I don't have somebody waiting on the phone because I'm over time and have to get back to, we can listen for a couple minutes. Take it to the limit. I was listening to this driving in today. As two of the greatest lines in a song ever, but we won't get into that now. We should talk about what's going on in the show. We're going to wrap things up, and you're going to have sports coming up. Covered a lot of stuff today with the ticks and the trail app and a few of those things. Uh, And the chair, the motorized wheelchair program out at Staunton Park. All those are in articles on my webpage, and almost all of them have an associated column that I wrote for the Denver Post. Now, if you go to my Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook, and you scroll down through there, um, you can find information on all those columns and all those podcasts. If you miss a podcast on the show, you can always go to 1043thefan.com, go to the menu, Go to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and there's weeks' worth of podcasts posted that you can listen to if you want to re-listen or get some information. And don't forget our YouTube channel. Now, Karen posts every time we add a video. She posts on the Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, the new video. In fact, I think she'll be posting one about crappies at Pueblo Reservoir probably here in a few days. She's going yes and no like, like you know, like, you know, she's, she hates to admit when I'm right. But... <laughs> but anyway, so go there and, uh, you know, we have like 110 episodes of our TV, maybe 120 up there. I want to touch on river safety before we wrap this up. We started talking with Troy. The rivers are rising. They're coming up quickly. Uh, this is a great time to leave your waders at home. You know, if you wear waders out to the river, I'll guarantee you you're going to be tempted to make that one step out into the river to just make that cast or that retrieve. And you can't see the bottom as these rivers start rising and get dirty. And the fish are going to be right by shore anyway. And it only takes one misstep, and these currents can be dangerous. You can still fish the rivers. You can still catch fish. In fact, next week we'll probably talk about it a lot. Kirk Dieter, the editor of Trout Magazine and the 
um, editor-at-large for Field and Stream, will be in studio with me next week. We're going to talk a lot of fly fishing. But if you do get out, you can catch some fish. But be extremely, extremely careful with these rising rivers. But it doesn't mean you can't catch fish. You pond and lake fishermen, it's going to take off. The waters are warming. The fish are shallow right now, so the shore fishing is great. They will move a little bit further out over the next few weeks. But these are when you can have those 20, 30 fish days. Um, listen to some of our podcasts. Follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. I'll be getting out, checking, pointing you in the right direction, so make sure you follow that. We're going to wrap things up in just a minute, but joining me in studio, someone that, uh, geez, I think I must have met you at least five years ago, judging by your age, because I'm only 30, Mr. Jacobs. You're only 30, yet you were my coach when I was 12. <laughs> And that was 30 years ago. (laughs) Well, maybe I'm a little older than 30. (laughs) Now, admitting that I coached you in anything, I don't really want to take responsibility for how you turned out. Hey, state champion. Yeah, uh, that's right. You were. What was it? I don't know. 1989, 1990, state champion at Horse Tooth. Yeah, I I know. I know. You guys did well. You've done some fishing up at Horse Tooth, haven't you? Yeah. (laughs) But you're right. So we we have a history that goes way back. You and my daughter were in school together. Yep. And, uh, gosh, I met you at the fan probably the first time in the late 90s. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's because I go back and, and it's just, it seems amazing that since we started this show, this is the 22nd year since we started this show. And you were here off and on a big part of that. We're glad to see you back. You've been back yeah. for a while. I mean, you've been doing this a long time. And I've, I've yet to actually see you catch a fish. You Do you ever watch? I've, I've my... seen Karen. Oh, yeah. Oh. I see you. you, you you're on the river and in those uh, what are those float things? Float tube. You don't yeah. wear. You don't get on the river in those. Or yeah. what, do you, what do you do with those in the lake? Yeah. I've seen you do that. I've seen you do a lot of stuff. I saw Karen probably catch a hundred pound monster one time. It was two hundred and some. Or was pounds. it two hundred pounds? Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen you catch a fish yet. Well, you're not watching close enough. I watch a lot. She does just... the she does the editing. Ah. So who do you think's going to catch the fish if she's editing it? I don't know. I just it's a it's an anomaly. It was like you were talking about shooting earlier. It's like you've been shooting since you were uh, five, but you've yet to hit anything. What? Oh. Anyway, <laughs> you're gonna bring. We're gonna wrap this up. I want to say thanks to Kyle behind the glass for keeping me on the air and keeping us in line. Thanks to Karen. She really does do the work in this show. I just sit here and talk about it. She lines things up. But we got. Um, Dan and Mr. Orlando are going to be joining us. Uh, you going to talk a little Broncos? What about Rockies? You know, what do you think? What's going on? We're going to talk a little bit of Nuggets, obviously, with the big game last night, the four-overtime thriller. We'll talk about that and, uh, of course, Broncos. All right. Talk just a little bit of Rockies, too, because they need to get that starting rotation. Anderson can't start another game. Well, we'll get into it a little bit. All right, thanks. You Stay- know, Orlando's a, f- a baseball expert. Well, uh, he's an expert on everything. He's out, he's actually going to take me out and teach me how to catch fish. Nice. All right, so very good. You're, all right, you're going to wrap it up here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We got Dan and Orlando coming up. Stay tuned for great sports talk on 104.3 The Fan. Mm-hmm.